You're listening to The Main Course, where food is serious business. Listen along for insights, strategies, forecasts, and thought leadership from the front lines of food with your host, Barbara Castiglia. Welcome to The Main Course. Uh, I'm Barbara Castiglia of Modern Restaurant Management, and today we're going to talk about the intersection of restaurant financing and restaurant marketing. Um, and we're going to talk um, to Johan Munisinga, who is the founder and CEO of InKind, um, which is a unique restaurant financing engine um, that's already helped um, more than 460 restaurants throughout the world. So welcome. Um, and just, I guess, fill us in a little bit. Um, what's the idea behind InKind and how it works? Hi, Barbara. Thank you very much for having me. Um, yeah, InKind was started, uh, I started the company four years ago um, because I had um, invested in a lot of restaurants. Um, uh, my, my background is, is in tech, and uh, when I um, sold my tech company, I you know invested in other tech companies, and then a friend of a friend was opening a restaurant and, and asked me to invest in that, and I thought, it was actually a whiskey bar, and I said, oh, that's awesome, yeah, I'll definitely invest in that it's three blocks from my house in dc um and i can go all the time and and um i i did about 20 more restaurant investments personally um and i actually opened a restaurant incubator in washington dc and the idea there was that i could help chefs learn things that they maybe aren't great at doing in a restaurant and then i could invest in the restaurants as they as they moved out in the incubator and it would de-risk my investment and at some point, I had done 30 restaurant investments uh, personally. And I looked back in those, and they just weren't a great asset class. You know, like restaurants, independent restaurants uh, don't make a lot of money, uh, generally speaking. And so if you have investors, you need to pay your investors. And so the, the model itself just wasn't one that, that made sense um, in my mind. And so I had a chef in there who who wanted money to open his own restaurant. We found them a little second generation space, 18 seats. And so he didn't need a lot of money, but you know, I, so he, so he asked me to invest in it and I, I, I didn't want to because of you know the reasons I mentioned, like he didn't, he doesn't need a partner there. He didn't need to, to borrow money and have to pay that back. So instead we, we created in kind, which is basically we said, all right, let me do this. Let me buy a bunch of food and beverage credit, uh, in your restaurant, even before it opens. And I'll give you the money right now. You can use that money to open. You don't have to pay me back. You know, you don't have to bring on a partner. You just, I'll go and sell that credit to consumers, to people, and uh, that'll pay me back my money. And um, and you can open your restaurant, you know, debt-free. And um, so that's what he did. And um, it went really well, and we sold the credit to, to consumers. And at the time, we weren't super sophisticated about how we do it. Now we're, uh, we're much, much more sophisticated um, in terms of how we do the marketing, but that was, uh, that, that became the in-kind model. And so, like you mentioned, since then, um, we have financed over 450 restaurants and, um, uh, and it's, uh, yeah, it's been, it's, it's a really different model. Um, but I think the restaurants really like it, um, uh, because again, they don't have to pay us back. It's not debt. Um, they just serve food to people, which is what they do, you know, and they enjoy doing anyway. Can you give some examples of the restaurants you've worked with? Yeah, we um, 
one of the first restaurants um, that we worked with early on um, is called the Raven. It's called the Ravenous Pig. They're in uh, Winter Park, Florida. Um, I like I like um, they're they're great restaurateurs. Uh, they were actually nominated for the James Beard for best restaurateurs a couple of years ago. Um, I think we have worked with them eight times in the last four years um, because. They bought the building that they're in. They remodeled it. They opened a beer garden. They bought the neighboring building. You know, they're they're just they're growing their their um, restaurant empire, uh, and um, so we're their we're their funding partner. Um, we just signed. We just um, funded and are working with. Uh, it's the second biggest restaurant group in Ohio, and that launched last week. Uh, called Thunderdome. They have thirty one restaurants um, across eight different concepts. Um, we're, you know, during COVID, what's been interesting is, um, our, our portfolio has done really, really, really well. Um, almost all of our restaurants with this one exception, um, are, are back and opened and, uh, and we'll make it through COVID and are excited, you know, to get, to get through COVID, um, and back to normal, but they'll all, they'll all make it through. Um, and I think it speaks to sort of the, the, the type of, restaurant that we work with isn't somebody who's desperate for money and you know needs to to pay their 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 rent or their payroll or something like that they're really great restaurants um, because the way that we underwrite we, the way we figure out how much credit we can buy is we look at things like yelp reviews or facebook likes you know to see is there a community of people do people like the hospitality of this restaurant they like the food because if they don't, then we're, you know, if we buy credit in the restaurant, we'll have to sell that credit. Um, so our underwriting is really different. It's not around credit scores or, you know, how much cash they have in the bank. It's really around, are they providing hospitality or food, you know, in a way that people want to come back and to that restaurant? Um, and if so, okay, then how much credit can we sell, you know, over a 12-month period or something like that um, in that restaurant? So kind of walk me through the application process. You know, you already mentioned, you know, that you're you're looking at other factors than just kind of the financial health of the business. So what's that process like? Uh, yeah, most of the restaurants um, that we work with, um, we are actually our referrals from existing restaurants that we work with. Um, so we don't really do any kind of um, outbound sales or marketing. Um, it, it really is. And those, those are the best restaurants for us usually anyways, because, you know, they're a friend of theirs who's a restaurant owner we worked with kind of vouches for them and says, yeah, this is a good, a good company, a good brand, a good person, um, to work with. Um, but we do have, um, a lot of people who apply on our website. Um, so that's, that's, that's probably the easiest way to, to, to apply. Um, and we ask them some basic questions and, um, that you know the un the the what we do is we so part of core to our model is we sell these things called house accounts. So it's not we don't call it a gift card that we're we're selling to consumers. We call it a house account. And the idea with the house account is it's a something that you will go and use over multiple visits and even over multiple years. And so we price them at you know ten times, twenty times, thirty times the per person check average of the restaurant. And so what, what happens is, you know, Barbara, if you go and buy a thousand dollars, um, to a restaurant, um, around you, maybe, uh, somebody we're working with, you know, we'll, we'll say, Barbara, pay a thousand and get $1,300 in credit. So, and that would be in a restaurant that, you know, we expect 
might be $25, $30 a person. So you would, to use your $1,300, you know, it will take you uh, multiple visits, which is great. So now the, the restaurant has you as a loyal customer coming back and bringing friends. And because you have credit in the restaurant, you know, you end up spending more every time you come in. You spend 80% more per visit. You come in two and a half times as often, right? Because you're like, oh, I should have dinner tonight. Oh, I'm going to go to this restaurant. I have $1,300 in credit. And so it creates this really awesome dynamic where the customers are coming back and they become very loyal. Um, they actually, we, we have, we have data to show that, you know, even if you've gone to that restaurant before and now you buy a house account, you actually spend 400% more per year at that restaurant, right? So it's really, really cool, uh, metrics that, that come out of this. Um, so what we, what we first do is we go, okay, what is the dollar amount of the house accounts that we could, we should sell? And then based on the average dollar amount we're going to sell, how many people do we have to sell to? Um, how many people can we sell to? And then we marry that information together and we figure out, okay, so this is the funding amount that we can provide. So, you know, on a very basic level, we think that we can sell, um, you know, thousand dollars worth of credit to a hundred people. So we can buy a hundred thousand dollars worth of credit from the restaurant. And how do you work with the restaurants to identify those people who were going to, you know, be interested in house accounts? Yeah, so we we work with the restaurants. Um, we one one of the things, and this is more related to marketing, but is that restaurants probably don't most restaurants don't do a great job of is email marketing, and email marketing is actually, in our experience, probably the best form of marketing that a restaurant can and should be doing. Um, it's just, it's just hard to do because how do you gather email addresses of your customers? And then you can't just gather them. You have to engage with them, you know, because you, that, that's how you build that, um, rapport through email with your customers. And so what we do when we, um, start working with a restaurant is we really help them with their email marketing. So we will gather email addresses from people going to their website. We'll engage with those people. You know, we'll let them know about new menu items that are coming out. We'll let them know about the new patio hours or, you know, the COVID hours, right? And you have to engage with those, with those customers. And we, we, since we do it at scale, we have a backend system, um, which is the sort of number one e-commerce email platform. Um, and, and we build out workflows for every restaurant. We started, we started to pull in point of sale information. So if you go and, you know, you in particular, when you're ordering, you love, um, tequila, you know, and we can see that from what, from your ordering habits will tag you, um, within the restaurant's email CRM, which we, which we control like as a, you know, somebody who likes tequila. So if this restaurant is going to have a special tequila tasting night, you know, we can email out to all the people on the mailing list who we tagged who like tequila to let them know that they can come in for this special event. Right. So we're really marrying sort of best in class email marketing, um, with customer data, which we're able to get through our point of sale integrations to enable the restaurants to communicate with their, with their customers more effectively, drives more revenue to the restaurant. And then, you know, if we can identify a person who we think would be a good candidate to buy a house account, then we'll email that person as well and say, Hey, here's an offer for you to pay, you know, pay a thousand and get 1300. Um, and we can use that, um, that those mailing lists that we create to sell the credits that we buy. It kind of also fits in a lot of what we hear about, you know, creating the personalized experience for the guest. Absolutely. You know, it's what 
everyone knows we, we should be doing and that's what the guests want. It's just, it's, it's hard to do. Right. And, um, so what thankfully with the sort of advances in technology, um, we're able to, to take, to take, you know, to capture guests data, um, and, and then personalize, yeah, their emails and their experiences, um, which, which I think, which ultimately gets the guests to come in and spend more, you know, and then helps the restaurant. And do you also share the data with the restaurant, um, you know, using your example of tequila, maybe saying, hey, you know, we see a lot of people are ordering tequila. What if you had a tequila tasting? A- absolutely. Yep. Um, because, yeah, exactly. That's exactly what we do. Um, and usually the restaurants um, come to us like today. Actually, we have a call with one of the uh, restaurant groups we're working with and they want to talk about the different types of events that they should do. Right, like that's specifically what the questions are, and so we'll go through it with them. We have, um, you know, we've take not that we take over because you know that sounds bad, but we actually really augment the marketing team at the restaurant or the restaurant group, uh, and especially during COVID, you know, you can imagine that a lot of the restaurant groups or re- or in, even independent restaurants have unfortunately had to lay off their marketing people because they just don't have the revenue right now to support, you know, the corporate staff that they, that they once had. And so we're, we're really able to help, help augment, um, their marketing, um, you know, in a way that, that, that we don't, doesn't cost them anything. Um, and, uh, and I think that's been really helpful for the restaurants we're working with, uh, especially through COVID. So you mentioned before that you kind of came from a tech background and you have degrees in computer science and engineering. So, what what was it about restaurants that kind of got you into all of this? Yeah, well, my uh, my mom is a really really good cook, um, and she makes Sri Lankan food, which is delicious. And growing up, you know, all of our friends would come over probably every day, you know, and have my mom cook meals for them. Um, and what that actually did was it sort of spoiled me in that. Um, you know, food was really, really important growing up. I mean, I remember like in, as a kid, my dad would go every morning to buy uh, us fresh bread to make our sandwiches with, you know, food was always really important to our, to our family. And, uh, it's, it's, I think probably like how our, you know, parents showed their love to us was, you know, they'd make my mom, especially would make us specific food that each kid liked. Um, and once I started in high school working, you know, part-time as a, uh, programmer, um, I would spend all of my money on eating out at restaurants, but they had to be good restaurants because I was eating such good food at home. So I was eating, I was growing up in LA, you know, in high school, eating at Michelin starred restaurants, which was basically all the money I was earning, which my parents thought was crazy. <laughs> um, but, um, but I just, yeah, sort of fell in love with, with food. Um, and then during college, I, uh, you know, I went to France and, actually fell in love with wine. And I think that um, combination became uh, quite dangerous um, once I had a little bit of money and, you know, wanted to invest in restaurants and uh, I still buy way too much wine, <laughs> but it's, it's what I love. You know, it's, 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 I'm absolutely passionate about this and this is what's been so cool about it in kind is it's really was creating something that helps restaurants because the people that we were funding especially initially, we're friends, you know, and we didn't want to do anything that would hurt them and hurt their restaurants. And so we really created this product that was really helpful to restaurants and helped 
you know, augment their marketing and operations and things that they, you know, needed help with. And then also provided really, really low cost financing and all of that kind of worked. And so during COVID, when everybody else who was financing restaurants in ways that weren't good for restaurants, they all, you know, failed. They stopped doing it because they took massive losses. We didn't. Our, our model actually helped the restaurants who we were working with get through COVID. Um, so I think that's, you know, that's what's exciting, I think, for me. So let's talk about the name in kind. I mean, obviously, it means, you know, partially of what what you do is that you're taking the the money in kind. Um, but you, you also have the word kind in there. And you're you are working with your restaurant partners and building a relationship with them. So was there any real significance to choosing that name? Yeah, there was. I mean, I think you nailed you nailed both aspects of of why we picked in kind. Um, we're a certified B corporation. You know, we one of the the things that really I think is most most exciting about our type of financing is that we work with a disproportionately high uh, number of people who normally wouldn't get financing, like so women, immigrants, minorities. Um, you know people who might get passed up on by private investors, right? Because they're like, ah, that, they don't really fit the mold of what we, who we think, you know, operates a restaurant, for example. Um, but we don't, we don't care about things like credit scores or, you know, or, you know, people's backgrounds. All we really care about is can they make awesome food and, you know, and do people like the hospitality? And I think there's a restaurant in D.C. Um, named Thamey, mother and daughter team, amazing amazing hospitality and um they had a really hard time raising money to open their restaurant um and i ate at their pop-up that they were doing and loved the food and so they asked us you know to finance um, their restaurant and we did and uh, they opened and got a lot of awards and accolades and then of course everyone was like oh we want to help fund them you know but um and we're, we're actually helping them with some expansion that they're doing as well. But, you know, it, that's what feels really nice about InKind um, is that we're able to, to, to work with people who are really, really, really hardworking and, you know, passionate about providing awesome, you know, hospitality and guest experiences. And uh, we're able to just like to help them, you know, help them start, help them expand. Um, so, yeah, there is there is that play on, on I think, on, on the word kind. Um, we try to be kind um, to, to all of our partners. How is it different working with partners in the U.S. and in other other areas in the world? Um, so we, I think it, it's actually, it was interesting. So we launched in Australia three years ago. Um, we just acquired a company in New Zealand um, three months ago, two months ago now, I think. Um, and so we have in New Zealand, we have something like 2,500 restaurant relationships. Um, in, in Australia, we probably have a, a couple hundred. Um, and it's been, it's been in, uh, at first, you know, there was, there was, there was risk, right? We thought, okay, maybe people are going to sort of behave differently in different countries. Um, end of the day, the model seems to work the same. Um, people buy these house accounts and they go in and they love the food. There are nuances, you know, in Australia, you don't have as many private investors generally as you do in America. Um, and if people borrow from a, you know, from a bank in Australia, because they don't have an SBA in Australia, they usually have to borrow against their house, you know, to get capital to open their restaurant. Whereas here in the US, pre-COVID, you know, you could 
possibly borrow from the from a bank that was guaranteed by SBA. So there were nuances to the financing side of in, in each country, um, but but generally speaking, you see the same behavior, which is you know in restaurants that people really enjoy going to and. You know, if they, in Australia we don't use Yelp reviews, we look at TripAdvisor or Zoomato reviews or whatever. You know, so we use different sites and different metrics, but generally the idea is the same: um, where people are happy to support local restaurants that they like going into, and we sell them a you know a high dollar house account with a, with a bonus, and they go in and they same same consumer behavior um, in each country. So how has COVID? affected restaurant financing, you know, in general, and then, you know, what have, what have you been seeing with people reaching out to you over the past few months? Yeah, I think that COVID has pretty much uh, removed everybody from, um, from restaurant finance. So with the exception of Inkind, you know, we're still actively financing uh, restaurants, but because most other you know, lenders in particular took massive, massive losses to their portfolios. Um, the, the merchant cash advances, which has become quite popular in the last five years with restaurants, which are high interest, you know, loans essentially that come directly out of your credit card sales, right? That the, those, the types of people, um, the types of restaurants that unfortunately, you know, had to borrow that way, they probably didn't make it through COVID. And so, you know, those, those guys have, have stopped, uh, funding, um, private investors look at the economics now and they say, it doesn't really make sense. Like this year, certainly no one's going to get paid out of, you know, there's no, there's no profitable restaurants this year. Um, and so, um, it's become, I think, very, very challenging for a restaurant to get financing. Um, hopefully the government will get its act together and provide more stimulus. Um, in the next, you know, few weeks, hopefully, because I think, especially with the winter in a lot of places, it's going to be very, very, very difficult for restaurants and, um, the government needs to, to, to help out, um, if they don't want to see massive closures. Um, we are also though seeing a lot of optimism from restaurant groups and operators who are going to get through COVID you know, who've pivoted and adapted and, and, and made incredible sacrifices will get through COVID and they see the next two to three years as really high growth opportunities where there's going to be a lot less competition in the market. You know, there's a lot fewer restaurants and there's going to be a lot of empty restaurant spaces that have, you know, our, our estimate is going to be a hundred billion dollars in infrastructure in restaurants that are now empty um, come March, April of next year. And so I think a lot of the groups, a lot of the operators are looking to get through the winter and then expand over the next 12 to 24 months. And that's where talking to some of the biggest groups in the country already um, about, about that. Um, and, you know, the economics are going to be really different. You can, Rather than having to put in two or three million dollars into a restaurant, um, you can go into a second generation already built out restaurant space with, you know, in kind funds five hundred thousand dollars to you, and that gives you enough money to repaint and re, you know, make it look like your own and and open with uh, with cash in the bank, right? And um, and that's I think what's going to happen. I think you're going to see thousands of restaurants, tens of thousands of restaurants open 
and they don't they're not going to need loans they're not going to need private investors right they're just going to need a um, a little bit of money to uh to change the concept to their own and um and they'll open and it'll be great because they won't have to pay back loans they won't have other partners they have to share the profits with like they'll be able to earn the rewards um of their work in the meantime how can the restaurants that are here kind of survive for the rest of the pandemic? Yeah, it is, um, you know, the, the, the number one thing is to have a good relationship with your landlord. And the good landlords will understand that they do not want an empty space because they're going to have thousands of empty spaces in their city. <laughs> they don't want to have their own empty space because it's going to be very hard. To, you know, uh, it's going to be empty for a long time. And so number one, I think, is to, to really be talking to your landlords um, and they need the landlords, you know, the good landlords are going to understand that they're going to have to be flexible with their restaurants, um, especially going into the winter. You know, we third party delivery is um, is good. Um, and that's going to be a lot of in the cold, colder places, you know, getting your menus. Uh, a lot of restaurants have done this already, and if they haven't, you know, they, they, they'll need to, you know, get, get the menus streamlined so that you don't have to have as much labor in the kitchen, and then also make them very um, deliverable, you know, packaging needs to be nice. Using Uber Eats of the world is really expensive, you know, I, I heard from a restaurant yesterday that Uber Eats is charging 33% of, <laughs> of the sale. That's really, really high. Um, so, you know, it's, I think finding other third party delivery platforms, um, that, uh, you can, that they can work with that, uh, that don't charge as much, um, is a good way to do it. Um, I think engaging with, with, with customers, you know, asking them to, if they can, if they can order and pick up or, you know, order through a, a, an app that doesn't charge as high a fee, right? Because, the, you know, so that the restaurant's getting more of the revenue. Because the, re- the restaurant's going to need all of the revenue, you know, through the winter to, to make it through. Um, outdoor seating, of course, you know, investing in that. Uh, and hopefully, your wherever county you're in doesn't decide to close outdoor seating like um, they did in, in, in LA, uh, which was very, very unfortunate. Um, but, you know, those are the, those are the things restaurateurs are doing um, to get through. Through, uh, through COVID, through the winter, I think there's going to be a lot of hope. Um, you know, if you can get through the winter, uh, which is hard. And it, you know, I met with a restaurant yesterday and, you know, people are it, mentally tired, exhausted. You know, there's we were hiring staff, letting staff go, having to keep up with all of the rules. Like, it's a lot, a lot of work. So I guess if, if I can just be a little encouraging and say, I know it's really, really hard. Just do whatever it takes to get through the winter and the vaccine will be here hopefully, you know, next year and, um, and the spring. And it's just going to be tremendous opportunity uh, if you can get through the winter. And in what ways can they best allocate their marketing resources during this time? Yeah, I think that spending, you know, you don't want to ideally because cash is going to be very scarce right now revenues are down um trying to not spend is is the idea so don't you know don't buy facebook ads and don't buy instagram ads right those uh, but there are other things that are, don't cost anything like sending emails to your customers um 
that, you know, put an email capture on your website because a lot of people are going to websites now so they can see what the menu is, uh, see how they can order to go. Um, they can see the new hours, you know, COVID hours, all that stuff. So people are now coming to your website to get to your website, capture their email address, you know, put a little pop up up there. You can do a giveaway, uh, you know, every month or something like that. Give some hundred dollars in free credit, you know, to encourage people to put their email addresses in and then engage with those emails. Um, that's, that's really important. Um, and, um, and those customers will, you know, will come in and, and they'll support you. Um, that's probably definitely the best, the best form of marketing that doesn't cost anything, um, to the, for the restaurant to do. What's your vision for Unkind in the next year, next few years? Um, we are um, growing like crazy right now because, well, like like we talked about, nobody else is financing restaurants, um, and so we're um, we're really, really, really growing as a business. Um, you know, my vision, I think, is next year will be. Um, a lot of, of, you know, I'm, I'm actively going and, you know, raising more funds so that I can fund more restaurants and, um, and, and it'll be a, a big, a big year of growth next year. Partnerships this year, we've already partnered with American Express, with Resi, with Spot On, which is the point of sale. Like, um, and we're going to continue to do many, many more partnerships, um, throughout the, the next year because I think what's happened is everybody who's kind of in the restaurant ecosystem is really working together now to try to get, you know, restaurants through COVID, you know, to help their, to help their clients uh, get through COVID. And so we're, we're trying to be a really good player in that ecosystem and just partnering with any, everybody who shares that vision. Um, but I think next year will be, will be a lot of growth for Inkind um, as a, as a business um, just because of that, opportunity you know it's a hundred billion dollars like i said an infrastructure that's out there that restaurants can open get into you know with 10 cents on the dollar and i think that's what we want to really be there as the partner to any restaurant that wants to open in that second generation space and doesn't want to take on an investor or a loan you know they can take in kind funding um and and open in that space and, and own the whole thing and that's that's my vision i think it's never happened before, you know, where you could do that. And um, so I think that's, that's exciting over the next uh, couple of years. You talked a little bit about, you know, your positive outlook for the restaurant industry. Um, but what is your outlook for the next year, you know, the next five years? What, what do you see happening and what factors do you think will be affecting it? Yeah, I think there's going to be changes in, in consumer behavior. You know, we're already seeing it in um, here in Austin, Texas, where I am, uh, it's it's a lot more open than you know New Jersey or uh, or, or California or DC at the moment. So, what what we see is, as an example, um, consumers or guests when they come into a restaurant, they're ordering more cocktails and they're ordering less wine, as an example. And I think that's because at home it's really hard, you know, or it's much harder to make a really good cocktail, um, but it's really not that hard to get a great bottle of wine. And you're paying obviously less for it when you buy retail and you get it home than when you're at a restaurant. And so, guests have become more aware of you know restaurant sort of wine pricing and um, you know than than they were before. And so, restaurants just need to kind of prepare for that, right? So, 
you know, one idea would be to lower the markup on wine at restaurants, right? Because it'll be more in line with like what you see in Europe or, you know, um, because I think the, the guest has, gonna, has become more sophisticated or more educated during COVID on, on pricing. Um, I think that you'll see that restaurants in general don't invest as much in their wine programs because during COVID, they realize that they have hundreds of thousands of dollars in inventory they're sitting on. And uh, they don't want to be in that position again. So a lot of restaurants uh, sold a bulk of their wine lists, and I don't think they'll rebuild those wine lists. You know, they don't need to have a thousand labels anymore going forward. So, and I think that you'll find that, but I think you'll also find that there's a lot of pent up demand to go out. And we saw that in, uh, in New Zealand, when New Zealand reopened. Um, in July, I believe their July restaurant sales as a country were higher than they were, uh, in 2019 July, right? So there's just all of this demand and now people, um, have been staying home and maybe they've been saving on childcare and so they have a little bit more money. Um, and so they want to go and they'll go and spend it and they want to go out. And so I think once the vaccine is here, um, you're going to see fewer restaurants, but increased spend which means those restaurants that are there are going to get more money than they you know they've ever gotten before so that 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 i think can be exciting um for 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 restaurants when that happens thank you so much thank you for having me